Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory, Episode 4. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today, I am happy to welcome two people instead of one, and instead of interviewing them over Skype, I actually sat in their dining room and asked them about a difficult time in their marriage. This is with Bob and Susan Meisner, and they had to deal with something that a lot of us have had to deal with in the past couple years. They tell their story with elegance and grace and faith, but also the kind of raw honesty that comes when you tell a story like this. So I don't want to spoil the story, so I will just get on with the show. So let's listen to the Meisner's story. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Bob and Sue Meisner, and I'm really excited about being in their kitchen. It's fun to have a face-to-face interview instead of Skype, which is what I have been doing. Sue and I have been friends for one million years, um, about a decade, I guess, maybe. We met, she's a writer, and so we met at a writer's, yeah, convention. We met at a convention, and we've just been, they've been great folks. So I'm really excited to ask them about their story. They're going to share a particular story, and when I asked Sue about it, she said, I know exactly the story to share, and I don't, I'm sure I probably heard it, but I'm not exactly sure what it is, so um, I will have the surprise along with you. So I'm just going to turn it over to them and just kind of ask them to begin to share they, they have a word for this story, so I'll let them share. Well, it's a story that began when uh, I was serving in the Air Force back in the 90s, active duty, and we had been living in Europe for five years at the time, and uh, as a big drawdown began in the military, I was let go. That began a, a search for new work with three children and one on the way. Uh, what I thought would probably be a nine-month exercise in patience turned out to be 18 months of uh, patience and feelings of despair at times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we call it the dark time, kind of in jest now, capital D, capital T, but it really did feel like we were alone. I know we weren't alone. I know God was with us every step of the way, and he he would show us from time to time little evidences that, hey, I haven't forgotten about you, but this is where I have you right now. It's for a purpose, and it is not dark. It just felt, just felt dark. You were you were in Europe, and then did you go back to the States for the dark time? Like, and where were you at that time? Yeah, we did come back uh, to the States. I was, um, you know, we came back because our, to Southern California because our families were here, and uh, we were able to stay with my folks. And, and so there was a, a good piece in that we didn't have to worry about a mortgage payment and Um, I had gotten a severance package, so we weren't in dire straits at the time. But we made our way back here, and Sue was getting ready to give birth to our fourth child. 
And we had another little surprise when we got back. I think I'll let her mention that to you. <laughs> well, we got back to San Diego, and we thought we were going to be living with Bob's parents for this transition time. We didn't think it was going to be for very long. And while we were getting ready to leave Germany, his dad had triple bypass surgery. Mm. And they didn't tell us because they didn't want us to worry. But we got off the airplane with our children and who we thought was going to meet us. It was someone else. It was my parents, not his. And, and they told us, you know, your dad had major surgery. You're not going to be living with them. You're going to be living with us. And they weren't even, my parents weren't even ready for us to come. We had to go with my sister. So it was just a crazy time. I feel like we didn't really belong anywhere. We didn't have any of our own things. We were living out of suitcases. I broke my arm within three days of arriving in a very bad place. I required surgery. It was very difficult. It was a very difficult surgery and recovery. And all of this happened like within just a very short amount of time. And then from that, all those events happening at once, which all seemed very like purposefully malicious Mm -hmm. to us, we had this long period of waiting for God to um, move on our behalf because it took 18 months for Bob really to find a a replacement job. Okay, so for Bob, 18 months is a long time. That's a year and a half. And so many of us in this world that we live in get our self-esteem and our worth based on our job. And so what kinds of things were going through your mind when you were desperately trying to, I'm guessing desperately trying to find a job. Yeah, you know, um, I felt like a loser. Uh, (laughs) And I really got tired of telling the same story over and over and over again. People would say, how are things going? And I I was getting interviews, but it was a time when the, in the early 90s when the economy, as it had more recently, kind of went down the tubes. And the things that I was Um, probably best qualified for were areas that were also shrinking. So, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I I was going to interview with a company that in another city and they laid off 20,000 employees that year as I went up to interview and they said, we're not hiring anybody now from the outside. So yeah, you know, it is funny because our identity is so much tied into what we do. You know, in a conversation when you meet somebody, you typically say, you know, who you are, oh, and what do you do? It's hard to keep saying, well, I'm unemployed right now. Yes, I'm a loser. That's what the L is on my forehead. <laughs> you know, so it, it was it was really challenging at times. And one of the things I, I share with people, and, and I say this in a, in a sensitive way, but I, I talk to God about it because at times it felt like God was against me. And I know that's not true from the scripture, but that's how it felt. You know, I'd go to interviews, I'd make it sometimes to the the top two or three, but I wasn't the one picked. And one of the things it did for me during this time, though, is it it really kind of changed my prayer life. Um, As I looked to the Psalms more, I realized, boy, there's a lot of Psalms in here. When the psalmist is expressing regret, questioning appropriately and, and in the right sense, God and what he's doing. How long, O oh Lord? Mm-hmm. And, and those became my prayers at times. But it sort of revolutionized the way I approached God in prayer. I became very honest and expressed my feelings, even though I knew they weren't true to scripture. I said, this is how it feels, God. What was going on through your mind, especially like provision ideas and things you needed to, you know, feed people mm-hmm. that, you, that lived in your home? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had to rely on 
sometimes the generosity of others, that was really hard for mm-hmm. me because I always wanted to be the giver. Mm-hmm. You know, if I saw somebody who needed help, I wanted to be the helper. I didn't want to be the one helped. And so to take generosity from people was really hard. And I realize now that's a pride issue. It's not, mm-hmm. the, oh, I want to be the helper. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't want... I don't want to have to be the one in need. So that's really a pride issue because we're all in need, mm-hmm. desperately so. And mm-hmm. so it's just a, a new way of looking at myself as a person in need of, of many things. At that time, it was food for the family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we crossed that bridge and he did eventually find work, you know, I didn't stop being a person in need. It was just mm-hmm. I needed something different. And so it was, it was good for me to realize, to recognize that I am not all sufficient. There are things I cannot provide for myself. When I look back, I think of that time as a university of sorts, mm-hmm. and I feel like we graduated. I hope we did. I don't want to have to go back to that school. <laughs> but that's one of the things I feel like I learned was how to be a recipient of mm. grace in a better, in a more complete way. And you're right. Like I, th- I think a lot of times like when people are unwilling to be given to, they're robbing people of the joy of giving because I love to give. But if someone doesn't receive it, then it kind of messes up with that gift and, and it frustrates. So you're kind of hurting somebody else by not letting them give to you, which is a weird way to think because we don't think that way. We think we're a burden or whatever. So as you were going through this, were you, did you continue to stay at your parents? Did you go to his parents? How did this living situation work out? How did you end up in your, did you find your own place and all that? Well, um, we ended up, I think, at all of our family at one point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yes, as we, uh, the vagabonds that we were. (laughs) I I had gone up north, actually, stayed with Sue's dad for a little bit in Washington because that was um, Washington State. He had a job up there on contract, and there were places that I was applying to up there. But Sue stayed with family then. And then uh, we eventually ended up migrating to the Midwest. It's where my dad's family was from. And my dad had purchased a home in his home, little hometown of 900 people. And they had thought about going back at some time, but it became available to us. And I had actually gotten called. I had started applying to companies and places out there and I had gotten asked uh, to come for some interviews and so we thought well maybe we should just pick up stakes and and move we we had the home available and so you know in a roundabout way God provided that for us Uh, but it transplanted us into the upper midwest a little different from Southern California. <laughs> uh, fortunately, we had had uh, Germany to transition from uh, while we were living in Europe. So God provided that, and I, I didn't get the job I went out initially to interview for, but I kept getting things uh, coming up there and eventually did get uh, a job. And as God in his humor so often does, the, the first week I had finally started this job, uh, I had another offer from another place, and I thought, you know, 18 months, nothing. <laughs> and, and in a week, I have two offers. So when you moved to the mid upper Midwest, cold, cold winters and all of that, and I'm guessing that you at least you have a place to stay for free-ish, um, but I'm guessing even like getting back on your feet was still difficult. So do you have a story either from San Diego or the Midwest of God's um, surprising provision? Well, when we got to Minnesota, that was the halfway mark. We were nine months into it. We didn't know how much oh, longer. So, so we had you to, weren't, I, you didn't no, like immediately get a job. No, no. it was another nine months. Mm. The unemployment checks ran out and mm. we needed 
to be able to provide. So I started looking. And I was, at that point, a stay-at-home mom, a happy stay-at-home mom. And so it wasn't our first choice for me to go back to work. But that's what I did. And I did a, I did end up getting a part-time job at a newspaper in accounting, of all things. <laughs> like, most writers aren't good with math, so it's really rather laughable. But I was in the accounting department. But it was something that God provided us with, and it, it did help us like with the basics of uh, being able to put food on the table but it was you know another another time to find God's provision interesting all along I think his provision was very interesting it wasn't what conventional it was just always surprising and maybe that's how he was cluing us in that he was there Mm -hmm. because every time the provision came it was very very different do you have an example of a weird provision well, like we didn't have our household belongings. They were in storage, and we finally decided to go ahead and get them because it looked like we were going to be maybe in the Midwest for a while, and it was just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we all of a sudden get all of our household belongings, and we didn't have money for toys. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have money for presents, but we got all of their toys that had been in storage for almost a year. We just wrapped up their old toys. <laughs> and, you know, the older two, Stephanie and Josh, they they knew what we were up to, but they were they understood. They were very understanding the the younger two didn't really know and so to them it was the best Christmas ever because we wrapped up their old toys and one other thing though I remember at Christmas too we did we had friends who you know we don't like we exchanged Christmas cards but they knew what our circumstances were and many of them sent our kids presence that year which was you know unexpected and, and not asked for and it, it seems like a a simple little thing but it was just another evidence that and god would use things like that to just keep reminding me be patient i'm at work be patient i'm at work and uh, i feel like my, i must have been a slow learner maybe but <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, the University of Trials, you know, we love, we love those so much. Today for the listeners of ReStory, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their service. Now today I'm going to suggest a whole different kind of book because Susan Meisner, who I interviewed today, is an amazing novelist. So I recommend that you listen to her audiobook, Secrets of a Charmed Life. You can download that or any other book that you've been wanting to listen to at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash restory for your free audiobook. Now, I mean, looking back, I mean, Bob, you're in a pastoral role now, so I'm sure that you draw from that experience. And Sue, you're writing books, and I'm sure that there have been times in writing your books that you draw back from that series or that time of kind of quasi deprivation, you know, of or maybe being in the dark and not knowing what God's up to. So how does how does that experience inform today? Well, for me, it's interesting because my my role at the church I'm at as a pastor is pastoral care, and I'm often dealing most often dealing with people going through loss or transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, having that experience and while it was focused in one particular area, the the feelings, the applications, the struggles and trials through life uh, are what I deal with uh, mm-hmm. people going through on a regular basis. So it's one of those things, you know, at the moment it was painful, you know, at times filled with anguish and um, a sense of loss and purpose. And yet, you know, now I look back on it and it's like, okay, God was preparing me for something that I didn't know was coming. 
in the particular area of ministry that he put me. Mm-hmm. So it, it has kind of come around full circle in that way. I'm not sure exactly how it might affect my writing. Since I write fiction, I make everything up. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that um, when we were going through that, I kind of got an inside look at the resiliency of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And we really are remarkable creatures. You know, sometimes we don't feel remarkable. We don't feel very resilient. But I, I remember there was one time, it was like maybe almost a year into the into the unemployment. We did not know that it was going to be six more months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he told a joke, and it was so funny. And it was like, <laughs> and I thought we were at a time in our life where there, no jokes were funny. You know, it's just like he just... And so I knew, I think, I think I knew that, okay, I think we're going to be okay, you know, no matter what happens, is that he's still able to tell a joke. I'm still able to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Our kids still love us. It's okay. You know, it's okay. Piggybacking on that, what kind of role do you think humor has in resiliency? Um, I think it's... Wait, you have to say it with some sort of sarcastic comment. <laughs> it, it has no role at all. No. <laughs> it's all a fantasy and it's pointless. No. I um, it had a huge place, mm-hmm. um, and and I think sometimes, and and even now, you know, I, I'm sometimes dealing with people in uh, the hardest times in life, and when you can still find a sense of of la- things to laugh about and enjoy, it lifts your spirit. And the scripture talks about, uh, you know, we have our little saying, "Laughter is the best medicine." Mm-hmm. But I think there's some truth. You know, it it sort of comes somewhat naturally to me. Uh, I have a dry sense of humor, but you know when I was able to continue saying my little things here and there <laughs> spontaneously, uh, it made me think, okay, there's there's that part of me that hasn't gone away, and um, and it would really lift the mood sometimes. So my other question is, sometimes I think as Christians we can lapse into cliche Christianity where we just say platitudes to one another. But when we go through a, a season like this, through the dark times, uh, we begin to either, you know, kind of rebel against that or we kind of succumb to it or we have other people say things to us that are really insensitive. How has it changed you from kind of moving away from that kind of cliche Christianity, pat answers, oh, it's going to be fine, God sees you. And those things are true, but maybe how you deal with people now more empathetically based on that. Well, um, yeah, I, one of the things I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this as a confession because I got sort of jaded <laughs> um, because I would hear people say things that I knew were true, but it did absolutely nothing for me in my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I've really taken from that when I'm dealing with people, someone who's lost a loved one in their family, to tell them that, well, they're in a better place now. That's true. Mm-hmm. But the total the reality is there's still pain and there's still loss. Mm-hmm. and And people... I think want affirmation for what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. and sometimes the platitudes can come off. They're almost they're inappropriate at a certain time, uh, in context, and people just need to be cared for and loved. And sometimes it's better to put an arm around the shoulder and say, you know, is there something I can do, or how can I pray for you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just say, well, God will make it better in the little, in, in time. Mm-hmm. I knew that was true. But just to be told that over and over again, it's like, yeah, well, and I'm still thinking, you know, what am, what am I going to do next week? Are we going to eat beans or are we going to have pork and beans? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> 
I think overall, God protected us from a lot of that platitudinous mm-hmm. <laughs> because we didn't have a whole lot of people preaching Romans eight twenty eight to us, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciated because I didn't want to come out of it cynical um, at the end of it. Um, and I think I still don't know what to say to people when I know they're going through a tough time, especially unemployment, because I know the first question is, how's the job search going? Yeah. I know that's not the right question. <laughs> so, and I, and I know how can I pray for you is okay, but if, if I'm not going to pray for them actually, then I shouldn't be asking that question. So I'm thinking now, just you asking the question has made me think about what I do do. And what I do do is I don't, I like give them a vacation from it almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what about Bob? I... I, I feel like we can have a conversation that doesn't deal with that pain at all. And if they want to bring it up, they'll bring it up. Otherwise, I can just talk about their... They had a life before this thing happened, and it was a good life. And so we can talk about that or things, places they want to see or go to or their favorite food or all the things that brought them joy before this other thing happened that now that's all they f- can focus on is this this dark thing and I think I actually liked it when I didn't have to talk about the job mm-hmm. thing with people because I, I felt like, oh, yeah, this, I'm having a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. This is what normal people do when everything's going okay. Mm-hmm. I love that point, and I think it's instructive to all of us. You know, Having empathy and being an empathetic believer, it can mean a variety of things, and it can match your personality as well, where you might provide as an escape, you might provide an arm around someone or you know, just bringing cookies or, you know, whatever, as long as they're gluten-free for the celiacs, we're fine, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, I think that's really important. And I think the other thing that you said that was good is this desire not to come through whatever kind of pain, whether physical or no job or a death in the family or whatever, not to come through cynical because you will, you're more hypersensitive to those, those comments that come. People don't mean ill by them. They're just misinformed. And your identity was not Bob and Sue, the job hunting couple. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, a couple loved by Jesus. And, and so I, I think there's a lot to be gleaned from that. And I know for me, I just get so tired of cliches and, and I do love Romans eight twenty eight, but we forget about all the verses around it and all the heart of Paul throughout the whole of the New Testament and that, you know, the, those who desire, even Peter says, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We think about our brothers and sisters around the world who, you know, they would love to have job loss be their only problem. You know, their life is in danger or whatever. So it helps us to kind of gain perspective. But what I love is in, you know, when God says he comforts us with this comfort so that we can comfort others. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think it has to be the exact same situation. You went through hell looking for a job, but now you can comfort people who are in loss, whatever kind of loss. And so I think that's really amazing. So I love what you've had to say, and I uh, I usually ask my guests, you know, how did God, through this time of tumult, how did he restore you, and how did he give you a new story or maybe change directions or do something surprising that you did not expect? For me, what was interesting for me, and, and I was, um, I, I had studied and prepared for ministry, and that door just hadn't opened for me yet. So I originally thought, well, maybe this is what God's going to do. This is the time he wants me to go into ministry. So I was applying to jobs both in ministry and in the private sector. And I ended up with another private sector job. And I thought, huh, well, I got that one wrong too. Okay, God. (laughs) (laughs) But even through that, that was somewhat disappointing for me, although I was rejoicing that I could now provide for my family again. 
But God used that as a time for training and equipping because from that I did end up in full-time ministry and pastoral ministry. And so I I look at all those transitions and things. Really, it it was being the the lump of clay on the potter's wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't always realize what the potter was up to. You know, I, I, I started to find a sense, you know, where I just need to trust I mean, we know that, and I here's another platitude, just trust him. <laughs> but I really found that to be, you know, I look back and, and see some amazing things happening. Even when I, when I first started that secular job, the other job offer I had was in ministry. And as it was, I met with them, and, and it wasn't a right fit for me, and, and we both mutually felt like I wasn't the right person for what they were looking for. But in a small sense, God had really... I think used that to speak to me to say there's something else coming, mm-hmm. but not yet. And that really was the process uh, through it for me was there's things coming, not yet. Trust me with what I'm doing. Yeah, I think I came out of it with um, it's not it's not a new thing that I learned as far as the repurposing part. It's that it's all to God. It's all about what you learn as you go, not the destination. Like it really is all about the the journey itself. The destination is kind of incidental. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't care so much where Bob works. I mean, he does, but it's not, that wasn't the goal of that time mm-hmm. was not getting him a new job or even moving him into ministry. It was preparation almost. And so it was the, the journey w- was meaningful. So we look at it as a time of waiting. That's not what it was. You know, it was a time of preparation. It just didn't feel like it. You know, it's hindsight now. We can, we can tell it was preparation time, not waiting time. Um, so it was, it was learning that you learn things when you're going through something like that. You can't really learn any way else. Mm. I mean, you can read a book about it. You can <laughs> listen to a podcast about it. But um, until you actually experience it, you can, it, it's, it's like secondary knowledge. You know, it's first, first-hand knowledge is when you've actually, you've actually lived it. Well, thank you guys so much for just being really honest. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I mean, they can relate to joblessness. So many people listening to this podcast have battled that before, and it is something that pulls the rug out from underneath you. Um, but you're right. God's preparing us every day, and he's more interested in our character and the story that you know he's building through us than he's interested in, you know, exactly the thing you know the thing that we even want and sometimes the thing that we pray for is not the thing he gives us Mm -hmm. and we're mad at him and ticked off but (laughs) but in retrospect we're able to look back and go oh that's what that was so thanks so much for being on the podcast today i just really appreciate it our pleasure our pleasure yeah thanks for listening to restory do you mind if i pray for you Jesus, thank you for this amazing story of resilience, of loss, of identity, of questioning you, of of lack, and yet of seeing your provision. And Lord, I pray for those in similar situations today who have maybe lost a job or lost a dream or lost something very precious to them, and they're, they're swirling around in the bewilderment of that. Father, would you just hold them close? I pray that you would send people that aren't cliche bearers, but are just people who love to listen and pray and encourage without Christian cliche. 
And Lord, help us to learn how to trust when things don't look a certain way. Help us to believe that you have the long view in mind and that when we look back on this time of trial right now, we will see your hand so beautifully woven through all of that. But help us now just to kind of get beyond just gritting our teeth and enduring, but to find joy and ways to worship you and ways to be honest with you and ways to truly trust you during this journey. So we just let it go again, and I I pray that a lot, but I do just pray we would just let go. We would take the burdens that are heavy on our shoulders. We would just place them on your sacred shoulders today, that you would take them and you would run with them and that we we could rest, just beautiful rest, knowing that you've got this covered. Thank you for the example of the Meisners and their marriage um, weathering that very long storm. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information, please go to restoryshow.com forward slash four. And may you live a brand new story this week.